Hello everyone and welcome to the 25th episode of Encrypted. Encrypted is a weekly podcast that is dedicated to guiding you through the crypto and blockchain universe. My name is Ahmed al Balaghi and I'm coming to you live from the Dubai Blockchain Center here in Area 2071 in United Arab Emirates. And with me today is my co-host as ever, Faisal Al-Hawi. Say hello. Hi guys, hope you're having a great start for the week. Awesome, how are you doing? Great, awesome. It's a bit warm here, but yeah. <laughs> And today we have a special guest called Ali Majwad. Yeah. Did I get that right? I don't know. <laughs> Ali Madavji. Ali Madavji. <laughs> We're close. Sorry, I didn't ask that before. <laughs> how are you doing? Great. How are you doing? It's a good start to the week. I just came back from the Binance Blockchain Week and that was epic. Yeah. Great, great work for any people from Binance listening to this. <laughs> but yeah, great, great awesome. work on organizing Anything conference. Anything you'd like to like highlight or so? I feel that the the conference in general was definitely in terms of quality content was um, like excellent. You had a lot of you know quality people coming from from all around the industries, and the gala dinner is not really a gala dinner. You, know? <laughs> <laughs> um, you shouldn't be calling it a gala dinner, <laughs> anyways. Um, but basically, yeah, no, it's good that people are still building. Binance are really sort of um, looking to actually just support the industry as much as possible and yeah it looks like everyone's still focusing on building and in terms of Singapore itself like it's still a interesting um, space and I think you could talk about this more Ali but interesting space for many startups to come and actually set up mm-hmm. but I just feel that in terms of actual activity it feels um, it's not it's not you know a place that has so much activity like Beijing or Shanghai um, mm-hmm. at least one compared in Asia and maybe yeah. you could touch on this yeah. idea a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah time, absolutely. Yeah, you've been based I mean, there for a bit. Yeah, so so we're actually based. Um, I mean, we've got offices in Vancouver, Singapore, and and uh, Beijing. Perfect. And uh, you know, we do see probably a lot more activity happening. Um, I mean, Singapore is a great hub. There's a lot happening. There's a lot of companies always coming in and out. A lot of funds coming in and out. And so you've kind of got a pretty special, you know, atmosphere there. Mm. Um, I mean, Shanghai as well, I would say it's got uh, quite a lot of activity for, you know, development and real projects um, emerging. So I, I think that's also a pretty exciting space. Beijing's got a whole slew of um, of funds that are pretty active. You know, I think last year you had um, maybe a lot of projects that didn't have that much substance. They didn't really have that mm-hmm. much development. A lot of it was just trying to capitalize on hype. I yeah. think the good thing is that's starting to and has kind of died out. Now you've got these real projects that are developing real solutions that are already being released, that are being piloted by real companies. And so, I mean, it's, it's pretty exciting. Um, yeah. And at least from the yeah. Binance conference, there were two companies that um, basically fit the criteria we just said, which was PondyX and Crypto.com. Um, they already sort of have um, working products which are going out to people and is, you know, actually usable. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And so, okay, so we, we forgot to mention the company. <laughs> so Blockchain Founders Fund, right? Correct. So you said you're based in Vancouver, Singapore, and Beijing. Correct. Um, when did you guys first start off? Yeah, so the, the fund formalized, um, you know, in, in 2017, end of 2017. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we'd already been investing as partners uh, well before that. So we'd already been investing for several uh, years already now uh, in various different blockchain companies. We've, you know, backed a lot of companies in the space, you know, across North America, uh, a number in Europe, as well as uh, many in Asia. 
Um, so yeah, so we, we run a, not only do we run an investment arm, we also run what we call a, a venture builder or accelerator where we help companies hands-on, not only on the blockchain aspects, but actually how to scale their business. So things related to strategy, you know, pipeline and sales development, uh, go to market, et cetera. So really helping to build and scale companies. And then we've also got a consulting arm where we're working uh, with intergovernmentals like the United Nations, as well as, you know, several companies, um, you know, on very specific problems that they might be having. And uh, how have you seen the changes over the past, like, let's say two to three years? I mean, is there like an increase in the demand or is it being becoming more stable? Is it is there a decrease? So yeah. you've been in this for how long? Yeah, so we, we've been in for a while. So I started as an entrepreneur. Uh, in, in 2017, I was running an exchange, okay. which I exited at the end of 2017. Um, and so, you know, we've, and we, we were investing, you know, a little before that. And so, you know, we've seen, you know, pretty dramatic shifts uh, happen. I think before it was, you know, a lot of hype, but there was very little substance to companies. And in, mm-hmm. in reality, the technology was also pretty nascent, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, you had Bitcoin come in way before, but, you know, from, from an ability to build smart contracts or anything like that, I mean, that was still a much newer concept, you know, with Ethereum. And now you're starting to get other protocols come out to, to help, you know, even on that front. But I would still say Ethereum is kind of the dominant uh, play and now you've got you know developers that have built stuff on Ethereum. Now they're building more stuff. You're, you know that's kind of progressing. So from a technological standpoint, you know it's it's in my opinion still exploding, still growing very rapidly. You've got major companies doing some really cool things either on Ethereum or on Hyperledger Fabric. Um, you know, like a couple of quick examples. I mean, you've got uh, in China, uh, you've got. Uh, JD.com working on some really interesting things with, um, you know, with beef, beef and supply chain, um, like food supply chain. You've got Walmart, uh, you got Walmart, IBM and Tsinghua University working on a really interesting thing related to food supply chain as well. And, yeah, and putting cabbage on the blockchain. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I mean, there, there's some real value, um, to some of these things, right? I mean, you've got a lot of, you know, food scandals that have happened, yeah. a lot of mm-hmm. people yeah. have gotten sick, Especially a lot of people that might have died, so you know, and, it, and it's not actually only a China thing. And this is one of the things we try to get across. I mean, I mean, a quick example in the United States, you had the Chipotle Mexican grill, um, you know, scandal with uh, what 42% stock price drop, right? We're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars lost um, for, for a company over, over basically not being able to figure out where the problem line in their food, food supply chain, right? Yeah. Similarly, in, in Europe in 2013, you had the horse meat scandal where there was basically horse meat being passed off as beef pretty much across <laughs> many major countries across Europe. Um, and it was a very widespread problem. So, you know, this is something that literally touches every part of the globe. Um, China, it, I mean, there, there is this problem in China as well. You had tainted mm-hmm. milk scandal in China. You had hundreds of thousands of, of babies get sick. Um, but it's, it's everywhere. And so this is some really important things that are happening with food supply chain. And similarly, you've got interesting things happening with, you know, tracking wine on the blockchain, trying to eliminate, you know, fake wine and prove proof of origin. Similarly with cigarettes, um, you know, you've, you've got 30% of the, the world consumption on cigarettes coming out of China and you've got companies like VeChain, which are actually trying to help prove proof of origin of tobacco, as well as um, as well as help kind of track 
you know, and make sure that it's getting taxed appropriately and that, that it's legitimate, right? So you had some pretty, pretty interesting things happening on blockchain that's real things happening that sometimes are also getting missed in this space, I think, just because of where the market is. Yeah, I think this sort of downbeat trend is definitely sort of affecting and giving rise to this sentiment, absolutely. And what what about for you guys uh, in particular? Are you what, what's the twenty nineteen focus for now? Is it more about supporting these um, projects? Um, you're sort of going away from this no substance to actual substance. Um, and you mentioned the UN as well. Could you sort of talk a about the twenty nineteen focus um, and and b what what the work of the UN is all about? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, first on 2019, I mean, we're pretty excited about what's happening with blockchain. We're very much into, you know, helping companies that we already work with, that we have invested in, one, go to market, build real partnerships, build real test cases, build real sales pipelines um, Mm -hmm. to have these uh, products, you know, adopted widely right which, uh, which projects have you guys invested in so so there's a number of projects i mean an example would be like cryptic out of silicon valley which is a cybersecurity mm-hmm. uh place so they're almost like google drive okay um except they're much more secure uh so basically what they do is they're encrypting a file splitting it into five pieces awesome. storing one fifth on google one fifth on amazon one fifth on ibm one fifth on dropbox and one fifth they on should Box. sponsor us as well yeah, yeah. i mean it's <laughs> it, it's a great name i mean right. uh <laughs> And, um, and so that's, that's definitely a, a yeah. company that, you know, we're pretty, you know, pretty bullish on as well, mm-hmm. because there's a real use case, there's real paying clients that are interested, okay. uh, and they're an embedded solutions partner for IBM. So IBM is actually also hoping mm-hmm. to, to sell this product. Okay. Um, I mean, there's, there's other companies that we work with. Um, I mean, another one's all rights out of Singapore, they're a B2B media and entertainment play. Uh, right now, and we're working with them to help roll out uh, a B2C play. So they're almost like. Uh, so one, they help sell professional content, so like TV shows, movies, sports content, etc., cetera, uh, to broadcasters, to, to people actually want to show the content. And then the second part that's being released pretty shortly is going to be a B2C version. So the content mm-hmm. that's not sold in certain countries can then be streamed in those countries. Okay. And so that's a really interesting company that we think has a lot, a lot of potential. Um, but I mean, there's, there's many others like discovery IOT, which is a really interesting supply chain company that's already being tested out by a number of major FMCG companies across India. Um, and they've developed a hardware solution paired with their software blockchain solution. Mm-hmm. Um, so, 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 so different solutions like this that we're pretty, pretty bullish on. Um, and so one kind of helping those, you know, continue to build on, you know, real clients, real test cases, and then kind of solidify those products and and then you know push them out even heavier into the market um to create real value the the second part is looking and continue to look for companies that we can invest in that are you know building real solutions or that have real solutions that are going to market to transform their industries right so our bigger play is not blockchain for crypto markets or things that are you know trying to capitalize on this what we call still a small market but we want real solutions i mean like the example like cryptic going out to solve cybersecurity issues for banks governments law firms accounting firms right like that's a huge market that's you know people don't even need to know they're using blockchain right like that's what we're interested in right or if we're talking about education and solving fake degrees and transcripts universities and colleges don't need to know that this is necessarily blockchain like i mean it's one 
small selling point, but in reality, it's the functionality and the usability and you know the security that's going to really be the selling points to these institutions, right? And so we're interested in solutions like that. Um, so continuing to find you know products and services that are really going to transform those industries is another you know key thing for us. And then uh, continuing to focus on on things like we we mentioned the United Nations. Uh, so what we're doing is we're writing one of the flagship reports for the United Nations on uh, emerging technologies. And this is something that, you know, we're lucky that we've done pretty well in this industry. And so one of the ways we want to give back is, you know, with the social sector type of projects. I mean, this report is directed at, you know, finance ministers, central bankers, key decision makers in countries. And we're looking at, you know, how can not only blockchain, but things like machine learning or facial recognition or other you know emerging technologies as well all paired together can solve very specific and complex issues within you know global banking or you know financial inclusion so we're talking about how do we get unbanked populations to become underbanked how do we get underbanked populations to move to become banked right how do we look at lending products and micro lending how do we look at you know SMEs and being able to move money more effectively cross border so is that the project that you're doing with the UN, is that like a pure research project or is there any kind of, you know, uh, systems or proof of concepts that you're also working on or you're involving any of your, um, <clears throat> any of the companies that you actually invested in? Yeah, so so what we call it is a, it's an impact report. So, so a small yeah. part of this is, you know, kind of, reiterating and showing what's happening in in these parts of the world that are developing mm -hmm. but the more important part is how do we plug in emerging technology solutions into solving these problems and so a lot of these um you know situations we are looking for you know and featuring top companies like startup companies or more established companies that are solving real solutions in here in a very dramatic way um, and so we are looking for, you know, amazing projects that actually are solving these solutions right now that we can help to, to scale, get, you know, visibility on. So that is something that we're looking at. We are consistently out um, looking for, you know, KYC solutions. I mean, this is a, a key thing, like if we're talking about identity, right, in, in the developing world. I mean, you've got a lot of places that don't even have identity. So how can identity solutions fit into here, especially in the context where, you know, someone might not actually get an, a, a birth certificate at, at birth, right? I mean, this is a key problem in a lot of places. Um, so looking at these types of challenges and what types of solutions can we look at that, that fit into this? Great. And you also mentioned that you invested in companies which are B2C and others which are B2B. I mean, going into 2019, do you see a clear kind of, um, um, you know, preference for you guys to move into or is it still going to be the main focus is that is it solving a real problem or not but is there any kind of you know direction like this is becoming more of a enterprise slash government kind of uh, thing or is it becoming more towards consumers yeah so that, i mean that's a good question so so the way we break it out is maybe a little different so we are very bullish on the enterprise play we think that enterprises have cash today they can look to solve a real solution and if there is something that solves a real solution that helps them doesn't like it doesn't necessarily need to be blockchain but if it is blockchain it shouldn't be about being blockchain it should be about actually solving that problem i mean we're very interested in that right because 
you know, enterprises are willing to put dollars on the table today to solve these problems, right? And so that's definitely something that we're interested in. We actually break out enterprise separately, even under our fund philosophy as a, as a category that we're very interested in. Um, and then from a B2C standpoint, it's similar. Like we're not looking at companies. So we actually have a philosophy. We've been saying this for a while. I mean, tokens can make sense, but a lot of the times they actually make the business model worse. And, and the reason is it's an extra step. And if it's an extra step, it makes it much more difficult from a usability standpoint. We've been calling this out well yeah, before the, the market, yeah, yeah. you know, started to, to go down. Um, have you seen that lemonade video? I have. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and the lemonade video is a, is, a, yeah. is a great example. But We'll put that in the show notes for those who <laughs> don't know what we're talking about. But, um, but we're, we're interested in, in, for example, if they are a B2C solution, we don't want the people to know that it's, it's necessarily blockchain or if it is using cryptocurrency, it needs to be seamless, right? Like you should be able to not have to know about this technology to use it, right? Similar to, and, and, and if we're talking about anything payment, I mean, we need to beat things like tapping a credit card, right? Like that's how simple it is. Pull out your credit card from your wallet or from your purse, tap it. If it's not that easy, it's more difficult. That's a problem, right? Like everything that we're doing, and, and I think this was the problem in, you know, in 2018 and even in 2017, we're comparing things against, oh, this is better than X blockchain solution. No, like it needs to be better than X solution globally anywhere Period. out there. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And that, that's the benchmark that we use as well. And so when we're looking at companies, we want it to be simple. We want it to be solving a problem and we would ideally don't want the, the company's clients knowing or needing to know that it's blockchain. Like that can be one small feature that's told to them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but it, in reality, what we're trying to communicate is uh, and show that it is just more effective. And what about um, the, so you, you mentioned the impact report for the UN. And what about sort of companies that are trying to solve sort of problems um, in, in third world countries or sort of third world problems, right? Um, they necessarily, I'm not sure whether or not they actually are profitable, but is, do you guys have um, like part of your fund dedicated to projects like that, which are, you know, solving problems that, you know, the UN are typically trying to address? Yeah, so, so from that angle, I mean, our fund is looking for an ROI. We're looking for a mm-hmm. profit, right? Yeah. But we do, and, and personally, my partner and I, we do understand the social lens. I mean, that's why we were looking and doing things like this UN project, which we think has very big impact. But we're also very big believers in, you know, capitalism and capitalistic, mm. you know, tendencies, which is going to basically be what thrives. I mean, if we have, say, a system that, you know, doesn't align incentives correctly for, you know, free markets businesses aren't going to take that on as an opportunity in the same way, right? So we are looking like, if we're looking at, we're talking like, let's say an identity solution. We want it to be a business that works in the developing world. We want it to understand the issues in the developing world. We want it to be able to solve those issues in the developing world, but they still need to be be able to make a profit because otherwise you're not having the world's best entrepreneurs doing it. You're not having staff that are incentivized from equity True. and and profit. And so like that's Amazon kinda... didn't make profit for the first how many years? <laughs> but, but the equity, yeah. right? Like there's yeah. the equity valuation yeah, on that, right? Like if that was a charity mm. and didn't have an equity like mm. structure, I mean I don't think that that would have grown to what it is today. I'm not saying that I'm opposed to 
like charitable, you know, solutions. They solve clear issues mm. and, and problems in society. Um, we just think it's more effective, more scalable, higher longevity, and more likely to succeed if it actually has a revenue generating model because it's sustainable, right? So like, isn't that what sort of social enterprise? Exactly. Like that, that's more of the social enterprise space. And we are interested in that, right? Like with what we're doing with the UN, with, I mentioned a company uh, briefly, but like with education, open source university, it's a company working on combating fake degrees and transcripts. There's a clear social angle. I mean, they are looking to make money. They are a business, but there's a clear social angle to that, right? Related to education. Um, I mean, there's a company called Duro um, that we're not working with yet, but we're, we're interested in investing and in, in working with them. Um, but they are essentially a KYC solution that we think helps, um, you know, basically solve problems that other KYC solutions can't solve right now. And we think that they also have the potential to help, you know, potentially solve a problem with, you know, people that don't even have IDs. There's other companies we've come across as well that, you know, mm -hmm. are, are doing that like ID 2020 yeah, yeah. and some others. And so we think that these are the types of things that, you know, can make a profit, but also, I mean, social enterprise side, solving re real key issues, you know, mm -hmm. globally. And what about the categories? I mean, being in a fund space, I'm sure you've came across multiple uh, <clears throat> Uh, multiple is a very small word, right? <laughs> You've come many. across many, many, many different projects when it comes to blockchain. Would you say that there is a dominant sector that people are trying to get into or trying to solve? or Because you mentioned identity a couple of times. So is that something that you see repeatedly or is it something that's still forming or it was yeah. pumps and pump and dumps <laughs> yeah <laughs> probably now it's in the forming stage I, don't know. I, I mean i mean to be honest so our, our fund is geography agnostic and industry agnostic right okay. we do see a lot of uh identity solutions mm. um i mean but to be honest we see a lot of everything i mean you've got a lot of gaming companies you've got you know a lot of gambling companies you've mm. got a lot of supply chain companies you got a lot of entertainment companies, advertising, whatever you want. There's a lot of them. Mm -hmm. But there's very few highly credible ones. Our philosophy looks for CEOs that have experience in their industry, that have connections in their industry. Like They need to be able to build a real business successfully and show us what they've done, show us you know, some sort of track record. They need to be able to show us that they've bootstrapped this and like been building something real. Um, you know, we, we don't want some startup that's saying, Hey, we have an idea and we need millions of dollars today. Like we want to see you bootstrap, put your time, put some of your skin in the game, uh, showing us what you're trying to do. Yeah. Right. And when it comes to, um, sort of this other now popular trend called STOs, um, we should try to get that word banned <laughs> in this spot. Uh -oh. Um, what's, uh, your outlook on that? Are you bullish? bearish on it what's yeah so i mean th this is one that you know we we've talked about a lot so i mean as full disclosure i am an advisor on on polymath mm -hmm. uh, which is one of the more well-known companies in the sto space um so while i am very bullish on it i think i'm also um maybe one of the people that's bullish that's also calling out some of the the not necessarily the flaws but some of the hurdles that we need to get over in the next few years and so, I mean, some of these examples would be, you know, exchanges that actually have liquidity. I mean, the fact that we're not, STOs are not commodities, right? And so factoring in that 
you need to do a lot of due diligence on a company, whether or not we're tokenizing, you know, a startup or real estate or whatever. I mean, we're talking about very complex companies to analyze. You need to go through financial statements to be able to trade it, right? Like, I mean, you need to do some due diligence if you actually want to know what you're buying. Um, we're talking about, you know, starting to get better processes like audits on these companies so that you can trust the records or how do you eliminate, you know, fraud or misleading information in the, in these reports, et cetera. Right. So, um, I mean, these are some of the challenges. Um, we're also talking about, I mean, how, how does, how do you get effective liquidity in these markets? How do you bring, you know, enough investors into this space that are, are going to create the liquidity that's necessary? That's not just another, you know, ICO game. Um, and so these are, I think, some of the more apparent challenges. I think there are a lot of benefits to STOs. Um, and it's a, it's a work in progress, though. All right. So what are the benefits of STOs that you've, you've come across? Yeah, I mean, I, I think there are plenty of benefits, right? So when we do talk about the ability to trade securities um, in a way that's you know, probably brings down the investment uh, amount, like the ticket size, you're able to tokenize it and bring it into a a lower ticket size. When we're looking at creating jobs, I think that's actually an interesting one. So I don't know if you're familiar with the Jobs Act in the United States. Um, This is, in our opinion, going to be one of the biggest catalysts to STOs globally. But what the Jobs Act basically says is, anyone accredited or non accredited can technically invest in uh, securities like private securities up to two thousand U- yeah. U.S. dollars. There's a formula, but as a simplification, up to two thousand U.S. dollars. Um, wow, that's going to be a lot of liquidity. If and that th- that's dollars accumulates. Yeah, and, and this is this is pretty interesting, right? Um, I mean, this gives exposure to high potential upside investments that are also higher risk, mind you. But that you know that is something that's that's valuable. Um, so, so I mean, those are some of them. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think there are are is definitely value to STOs though, um, and and we're talking about even like tokenizing certain illiquid illiquid assets could be interesting. Um, we think that companies that are potentially on the B to C side or that might have some sort of brand mm-hmm. could also do really well with with an STO. Imagine like Ferrari when it's still smaller right not on public markets has a brand that's consumer based like there could be a big public interest to to try to buy something like that um or if there's really big b2b companies that people are really aware of yeah it's like um for for those in in the uk or um maybe in europe there's a company called monzo which is a digital bank they raised well they did a two million raise on uh a crowdfunding platform called Crowdcube. Okay. And they did that in like three days. Twenty what was it two wait, I think it was twenty million in two days. My bad. Yeah, twenty million dollars in two days. Wow. Or yeah. two to three days, something like that. Um but they had already, you know, amassed, you know, a huge customer base. And so when they said, Oh, we're doing sort of a private round, you know, everyone went up and wanted to get in. Yeah, like this. So something similar to that, right? This sort of thing. I think there's also a potential gap in the market that security tokens can fill, right? So when you look at how, you know, stock markets, I mean, you got less and less companies that want to go public, right? And this is a clear problem. And it is probably too strenuous from a regulatory perspective to go public, which is one of the problems. And so can STOs fill a gap where new legislation comes in to actually allow for digitized securities 
for a lower spend or or something that maybe has a little bit less regulation mm-hmm. and that might be interesting gap because i mean you've got less and less companies going public period and this this needs to be resolved right otherwise basically all companies are going to go private funding and opportunities yep. are not going to go to 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 public or small accredited investors or medium accredited investors even um, so this this is one part as well as I think junior stock markets. So you see these kind of like these kind of like stepping stones. Right? Exactly, right? So like these kind of penny stock markets where they're looking to raise, you know, 10, 20, 30 million dollars, stuff mm-hmm. like that. Like those markets could also be interested to like almost replace with STOs. Mm-hmm. I think there's kind of a, a gap there that could make sense because it is expensive to go through the public fundraising process and, and the public um, registration process of this that it could make sense to like STOs to fill this. I mean, having said that, I think right now an STO is not actually, you know, much more efficient, um, but it's getting there. It's about, it's about scaling and it's about bringing down the cost of this process. But right now you're doing the existing process of many times, like, and yeah. then you're trying to figure out this STO process. And so it actually might be more expensive right now, but that will come down over time as you've got more test cases, more people mm-hmm. that have done it and it streamlines. Yeah. I think that's why a lot of people are just sort of waiting in the sidelines, particularly funds as well, just waiting in the sidelines to see one big use case happening before they and go. Then, yeah, everything will follow. So, which brings me to my next yeah. question. Do you think that 2019 might be an STO year, much like 2017 was an ICO year? Yeah, I mean, I, I do think that STOs are going to start to pick up more and more. Like, you're going to have, you know, certain bigger cases that'll happen over the course of this year. And then, you know, I think it depends also on what happens with things like, you know, Jobs Act rolling out on this and actually, you know, building adoption. We need some sort of catalyst as well that helps to, you know, drive this forward. But I do think 2019 will be a very positive year for STOs and being able to figure out mm. this this regulation in specific markets, right? So you're going to start seeing more and more probably come out of the US, out of the UK, out of kind of some more established markets, um, even in Asia and Singapore, Hong Kong. One of the things that I always think of when it comes to STOs is that at the base of it, you're talking about a digital asset, but is there like a clear-cut definition of that as of now? I mean, it seems like everyone is trying their best to come up with, not the definition per se, but to kind of identify what kind of digital assets they own as of now, or which what kind of digital assets they can create being in a position, like a real estate company, for example. What kind, what, how could they convert their assets into a digital and what kind of form and so on? So wh- where do you see the market stand on that? I mean, is there like a clear definition like this is a digital uh, asset and then well, I can build any STO around it? Yeah, so th- I mean, this is the problem, like one of the problems I didn't mention, but I mean, this is a very clear problem right now, right? So the way that securities are registered in different jurisdictions, I mean, it, it tends to be like a more archaic process. And so doing an STO right now, all it's going to be is you're tokenizing something, you're saying that token, and you're going to have some sort of contract that says whatever that token represents is actually what's represented by this contract into this existing system within a country, right, for registering those securities. And so in reality, you're just adding layers right now and so what is going to happen and what's inevitable in my opinion in the long run is processes digitized right we've mm-hmm. continued to see that 
over and over again. Certain governments will take the lead, right? You're starting to see company, countries like, you know, Estonia with digital identities, right? Um, I mean, UAE is doing something similar, right? You're going to start seeing countries do things similarly with, you know, securities and create, and they'll probably do it in a parallel fashion, to be honest, right? They're going to keep their existing process. They'll probably create a parallel process to lower risk, right? And then once that's getting some sort of traction and it's tested, then they can actually replace existing systems. Completely new, right? All, all, all digital. But this is a long process. This is not happening yeah. overnight. This is not even going to happen. You know, it, it, it takes time. I mean, yeah, I think you put it great when you said that you're kind of adding layers as of now. That's kind of the discussion that we had a couple of episodes ago about uh, digital security offering DSOs against mm. STOs and these kind of things. Well, they are kind of the same. It's just people using different acronyms. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But the thing is, when you're starting to really define yeah. what an STO is and really define what a digital asset is, you come up with that kind yeah, of conclusion. Yeah. Like, this is not the real ultimate target that everyone is racing towards no maybe. of course but yeah. but there but having said that right being on the cutting edge of a of a technology or an idea like this i mean it still has benefits right it's showing mm-hmm. still to investors shareholders that you are on the cutting edge of process right which is signaling yeah. there's benefits mm-hmm. that you in reality stos will probably continue to have some sort of valuation premium over if you were to just do an equity raise um and that's you know, partially just because you're trying to signal that you're a more innovative company. Um, partially, you're going to say that there's future yeah. liquidity that, I mean, may not exist today, but, you know, may exist, exist in the future. Yeah. Um, sometimes those premiums are a little crazy. I mean, I'll tell you a, a funny story. We got a, we got a pitch uh, maybe, maybe a month or two ago, and it was this company that, you know, we ran the numbers and they were doing an STO on uh, giving away part of the net income. And we're like, okay, we wonder what the valuations on this. The team is incredible, by the way, like very solid industry leaders. And we went through the numbers and we came to the conclusion that it was a company with $200,000 in revenue and a $14 billion valuation. But like, $14 you get, billion? Dollar, yeah, so $14 billion. Um, crazy, right? And we thought EOS was crazy. <laughs> but, but, but you've got, you've, I mean, this is, this is just one example, but I mean, and that's a kind of an extreme example. But you've got companies that are going to have valuations in the SEO space that maybe don't merit it, but but might live into it and might be more innovative and mm. might grow into it. But we are looking for things that are much more sane than that valuation. Absolutely. Yeah. So, but that's just a, a funny story where we looked at it and we're like, not touching. We do we do tweet this stuff out by the way okay. as well. <laughs> really so, nice. Uh, we yeah, we post much. some pretty funny <laughs> things. Well, on that note, because we're a bit tight on time, um, if anybody wants to shield you a project worth $14 billion, <laughs> um, how could they find you? Where can they contact you? Yeah, so, um, I mean, the best ways to reach us is uh, on Twitter, on LinkedIn. Um, if you know someone that knows us, you can get them to introduce, uh, to introduce you if you do have a really great project. We do use this as a way to filter. So if you can't figure out a way to get to us, then you may not have the networks that you know we're looking for to build in this industry or build in your own industry, right? So you know we don't just give our emails out. We don't just have a spot in our website that you mm-hmm. can just put a pitch deck because those are, I mean, the companies we're basically trying to filter out, right? Mm-hmm. We want mm-hmm. people that are well-connected, know their industries, can build networks and can get to us. Awesome. Great stuff. And before we end the podcast here, remember, if you really like this episode and if you really like this podcast, please do not forget to subscribe. Ali, I'm not sure if you subscribed or not. Um, (laughs) I will do. (laughs) So go on Apple iTunes and um, sorry, Apple Podcasts now. 
Um, I think Apple have told us specifically, don't say iTunes, use the word <laughs> yeah. podcast. Yeah. Um, and please subscribe on the app. Um, and also do, do let us know um, your feedback and comments. You could easily um, leave a comment on the app as well. And yeah, tell a friend if you like the episode. Um, if you if you know somebody who works at the UN, does any social impact reports, investing, let them listen on to this episode. Um, thank you very much, Ali, for being on the show. Thank you. Th- thank you for having me on the show. And again, if you do have you know incredible social impact projects that can change the world, help millions of people, please reach out with those as well as you know any sorts of great companies uh, across the board, across any industry. We're we're looking forward to hearing from you. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks a lot.